the restaurants you love, the food you crave, and the people that make it all happen. We tell their stories on the Paper Trails Podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply. What's going on, guys? How are you? We are back with the Paper Trails Podcast. This is episode 10, season 2, and I am very, very excited. Uh, We are at the Good Here House in Noda, and I'm with uh, Chef Chris. And uh, super pumped. We met through some mutual friends. And um, actually, Austin, my videographer, had sent me a little screenshot. You know, Chris has had some awesome opportunities, you know, to be on uh, Chopped and to be um, to battle Bobby Flay. And I think you won. Yeah. Um, And uh, I think, was it just released maybe a few weeks back? Yeah, Bobby Flay just just, uh, released uh, two weeks ago. So it just aired. You know, uh, Austin had seen it and he screenshotted it. And was yeah. like, "Hey, do we know this guy?" And I'm like, <laughs> "You know, let me, you know, let me, let me find out." And so, um, very excited to have Chris on and uh, just talk, talk about, you know, obviously Chris um, has the Goodyear House here in Noda that he opened a little over a year ago. Yeah, yeah, we opened um, in February of 2020. Okay, so yeah. a year and a half almost. A year and, a half ago. and um, you know, obviously, uh, they, just so you know, if you guys have not been to uh, the Goodyear House in Charlotte. Um, it is beautiful in here. It's my first time in here. Um, very, very well put together. Beautiful uh, vibe. Um, I, I, I love the feel. And so, um, and they, they just opened up a new location um, down in Rock Hill. Yep, that one's called Old Town Kitchen and Cocktail. So it's a different concept, but um, same architects and stuff. So it's a lot of the same kind of same. Touch same points. vibe, okay. Yeah, and yeah. you guys just opened? We just opened that last uh, Thursday, so, so a, a week and a half. So, so week and a half, you know, yeah. anybody in the restaurant industry, you know how that goes. Yeah. Your first couple <laughs> weeks, months, uh, super hectic, but Chris carved out some time and wanted to chat with us um, to tell us about his story, his background, how he ended up here. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, for, you know, if, if this is your first time listening, our podcast is all about the food business um, in the Charlotte, the Triad, Hickory area. Um, and, uh, and also about, you know, success and entrepreneurship and, you know, um, the, the struggles of that and, you know, all the things that it takes And you know, this isn't Chris's first year and he opens up two restaurants just like that. There's a lot of grinding, you know, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that, that, that goes into, um, you know, having a partnership and, you know, having a flourishing restaurant and having the ability to hire somebody to come and, you know, do a lot of these, uh, these little things. And so. Uh, chef, well, why don't we get into maybe some of the some of your background? Where are you from? Yeah. Give us give us give us some context. Sure. So um, I was born and raised here in Charlotte. Okay. Um, I'm a unicorn. There's not there's not a lot of us. <laughs> that is um, true. But yeah, I was born at Presbyterian Hospital. I grew up here. I went to Harding High. I'm, I'm a West Charlotte guy. I was born and raised in West Charlotte. Still okay. live there. Yeah. Um, you know, after after high school, I was trying to decide what I wanted to do with okay. my life. Um, so you didn't always want no. to get okay. So I, well, I started working in restaurants when I was fourteen. Okay. Um, I was a busboy at a fish camp. So, okay. You know, one of those bastions of the South where you just fry fry fish all night long. Um, my my parents have fish houses, just yeah, so you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I did the same exact thing. <laughs> yeah. So I was a busboy when I was fourteen, and then. Um, 15 or 16, they moved me back into the takeout room. So yep. I was answering phone calls and, yep. and courting up tartar sauce and stuff. Uh, and I know then, that life. Yeah. And then uh, 17-ish or so, they moved me out to Expo. Okay. So that's where I was like actually, you know, would, would call the orders and then yep. put the orders together on trays and put them out in the dining room. Yep. So that's, yep. um, you know, the link between the kitchen and the front of the house, right? Uh-huh. Um, but that's when I fell in love with, with the restaurants. Okay. But I didn't 
think that I wanted to be a chef or be a restaurateur or anything like that. Okay. I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went to art school because um, I was really into art. Um, went to art school at UNC Charlotte for a year. Uh, and then about a year in, I was like, what am I going to do with an art degree? Like, what's, you know, if I want to like, be... Pr- you were I'm, practically looking at it. Yeah, I'm like, if I want to be an artist, then I can be an artist without going to a four-year school for it. Um, okay. I could be a professor with an art degree. That'd be about it. Yeah. Um, so I switched gears and said, I do love restaurants. Again, that the expo experience kind of turned me on to sure. the watching the kind of chaotic like organization of a kitchen uh, and, and really kind of jumping on that. So, um, so I decided to go to culinary school. Uh, I went to Central Piedmont, okay. um, which is a, has a great culinary program. I tell people all the time now still um, go, to go to Central Piedmont. It's a great school. It's... Um, you're getting the education of Johnson and Wales or the Culinary Institute of America, but for a fraction of the price. Wow. So, um, so I've, I've heard that from check a, from, out. from a lot of people. Actually, yeah. it's you're not people that have gone to other schools that yeah. the cost of those schools oh, yeah. have gone up the last 10, 20 years. Yeah. You know, uh, Chef Joe over at Bang Bang Burger and yeah. um, a lot of people. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you know, Chef Sam Diminich. I mean, he, like these all, yeah, these guys all went in there like yeah, it's. It's good, but you're... You're paying for it. (laughs) You're paying for it. And I mean, you know, when you come out of cooking school, you're going to get a a line cook job and you're going to be making, you know, 12 to 16 bucks an hour. And and it's going to take you forever to turn to to pay that back. But, um, you know, so I went went to Central Piedmont. I mean, I actually, I chose Central Piedmont probably to stay in town. Johnston Wells wasn't open yet. Um, You know, stay in town for a girl. So I started dating a girl in high school. Um was looking at a, some schools in Atlanta, was looking at the Central, or at the, um, the Culinary Institute of America up in Hyde Park in New York. Um, but I was like, I think this thing with this girl is, is kind of serious. Yeah. And, and she's my wife now. So it, it worked out. There we go. Um, there we you go. Know, so I um, uh, you know, married my high school sweetheart. We have two kids. Um, you know, went to, um, so sorry, I'm jumping all around You're here. Good. But went to went to uh, to CPCC okay. um, for culinary school. Got a job um, while I was at Central Piedmont with uh, McNen Shops Restaurant uptown Charlotte. Okay, which is uh, that's still there in, or no? It's still there. Okay, it's been in business since 1988. Um, it's uh, 25 seats, chefs, tasting menus only, dinner only, five okay. days a week. Uh, was that, was that your first? That was, you know. my, that was my first non. Fish camp restaurant okay. job. So what, right? what was that like? Like what, like, what did you learn? I mean, obviously, you just got into the school right. at CP. What was your first taste of that? Yeah, it was it was interesting. Um, you know, Ellen, who owns McNench, is the, the um, at the time was the chef owner, um, had never gone to school herself, so she was all just self taught. Okay, um, and you know, I learned a lot um, working there. I worked there for nine years, so okay. I, I learned a whole lot working there. But it was a I think what I learned most there was about the kind of the family, community, like closeness of a restaurant. Culture? Crew, like the culture. It's mm, um, good. Because the culture at the captain's galley was great. Um, but I mean, that was, those were all hired guns. They were, sure. they were just there for a paycheck. And yeah. um, at McMinn's house, there was people who had been there forever yeah. and, um, and loved it. And so just kind of breeding that culture of, of family and of, hospitality towards each other um, is something that that has really stuck with me and I've tried to do that at every other restaurant that I've which been to. which now you know sorry to interrupt you but yeah, no now worries. Chris is 
probably is more important than ever. I mean, maybe Way back in the day, my dad's age, you right. know, our family's really close friends with right. um, Kazaka's family that, yeah. that yeah. you know, but, you know, I mean, back then it was like, man, just hire some people and get yeah. the food out. Yeah. Now, culture, environment, people, Huge. it's it's everything. It's a it lot, is. right? It is. it is. And so, because times have changed. Yeah. 40 yeah. years ago, 30 years ago, now, you know, you know restaurant, a restaurant industry has changed. I'm sure you've seen it too. Oh yeah, no, I've seen a, a huge change, but I was so lucky to get in to that kind of um, hospital, like, again, that kind of culture, like mm -hmm. really early in my career. Sure. Um, but I have, you know, definitely seen some changes and, and talking with chefs, you know, with counterparts, with friends, Sure. Um, what they went through. And then comparing it to what I went through is night and day difference. And I'm like so blessed that I didn't have to go through what they went through yeah. with chefs screaming at you and throwing <laughs> pots and pans and that kind of stuff. We've, we've yeah. heard stories. Yeah. I, I haven't experienced yeah. that, but we've heard stories of, you yeah. know. I mean, Ellen was tough. I'm not going to say she, that like Ellen Davis is not, is like a pushover. Yeah. She was tough, yeah. but, um, but she never, you know, lost her temper or she was just like railing on you or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, so, so, so you really cut your teeth there. I Those cut nine my teeth years. There. I, I started there when I was, um, 19 ish, 20. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, when I was 21 is when I was graduating from school and yeah. she named me executive chef at that, at that time, nice. the chef that I had trained under had left open his own restaurant. Um, and it was, it's, it's like a three person kitchen. So it's not hard to climb that ladder. Yeah. Um, but I was I was there, kind of right place, right time. Um, named executive chef there when I was 21 and ran that kitchen uh, until I was 29. What was that like? Actually like be, like running the kitchen at yeah. 20, 21? Yeah. You're still young. I'm still real young, still learning a lot of stuff. Yeah. The, um, the first few years I, I say I was I was executive chef, but it was really just me running Ellen's menus and, and not really deviating a lot from kind of what she had done sure. for you know, uh, 15, 16 years, years at that yeah. point. Um, so, um, but it was probably, it was 25, 26 ish. And I was like, we need, I need to do something different. Yeah. I either need to leave this restaurant or I need to start broadening what this restaurant does. What, what led you, like, did you start feel like getting numb to everything? Was it kind of like stale? Like what, what stale. got you? Okay, like it was, it was kind of just, you, know, you were kind of bored with it? Yeah, I mean, I'd been there, you know, again, running that kitchen for three, four years at that point, but not really, you know, I would have a new dish here and there, but it was a lot of the Nothing standards, drastic. A lot of the classics. Yeah. And I think that I, I sat down with Ellen one, one time at, again, like 25 or so, and I was like, no, no disrespect to you at all. What you've built here is fantastic. Um, but we need to like modernize it a little bit. We need to spruce it up. We didn't have a website. We weren't on an open table. Like if you Nothing, wanted yeah, yeah. to eat at McDonald's house, you had to like search it out. No um, of it, yeah. And you know, so I, I implemented, um, and it was only a seven course tasting menu at that time. And I was like, we need to have like a three course tasting menu so people can get in and get out if they want to. And I would love to do a chef's table. So we, we built a chef's table out of a room that had been the office. We relocated the office to the upstairs, the okay. second floor of the restaurant, and we turned that into a chef's table room, which is right outside the kitchen. What is a chef's table room for you know people that you know? Yeah, know. so it was, uh, you have the whole room to yourself. It's one table, uh, and the chef is kind of your server for the night. You know, we would do 12 to 18 courses in there, um, and I was the server for it. I mean, we had, you know, our, our sommelier and our wait staff took care of them. Uh, you know, setting the table and clearing and that kind of stuff. But um, 
but I came out with every course and I served courses and I did table side stuff and talked about the ingredients and where we got them from, where we were sourcing them from. Um, cause this was right around the time that I started to get really into local foods and that kind of stuff. Sure. Too. Um, what, what year is this? this uh, so this would have been, gosh, 2008 ish. So maybe, you're kind of so. before the local food thing was before. Cause like that, the last yeah. five to eight years <clears throat> right. has really been popular, right? Yeah, Tim, Tim Rudy uptown at Mimosa was doing a lot of local sourcing. Okay. Um, and so I kind of really looked up to him. As, okay. um, I never worked with him, but I looked up to him in a, as a, in a mentor sort of way sure. because he had helped to, to found the Matthews Farmer's Market and was doing a lot of local sourcing Mimosa um, and started to bring this wave That's cool. into yeah. town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then at the same time, Cassie Parsons was opening up Harvest Moon Grill uptown, which, which really made a splash in the farm to table kind of scene around here. So I was, I was really kind of watching what Tim and Cassie were doing and trying to emulate it a little bit. Okay. Um, I had met Nick Daniels, who was running Wooden Vine at the time, and he was sourcing some local stuff. So he he helped me, you know, find some sources and that kind of stuff too. Love so, it, love it. Okay. Um, you know, but 2000. Uh, so I, I ran that kitchen then um, from 2008 to 2012. It was completely mine. I was doing every menu. I had um, done a three course, five course, seven course, and then that 12 to 18 chefs table menus. I I created the website myself. Uh, I got us on the open table. Was there a uh, lot of growth in the restaurant in those years? Like a lot of growth. I mean, our, our reservations started to take off where we were getting you know, very busy yeah. um, and we started making some money um, and, and things were, were really good. But, you know, at that point, I love that. again, 2012-ish came around. And I was like, I've been here now for, you know, 10 years, yeah. like nine, 10 years. And I'm, I'm ready for, for something to, different. To, yeah. Um, so I... I didn't leave McNinch, but I started a, a pop-up concept called the Market Kitchen, where the goal was to source everything locally uh, and then do these dinners that popped up here okay. and there around town. So Was that popular then? Not really. Not really. Not really. It, it got a little more popular after Because I've been hearing a lot of pop-ups now, yeah. but yeah. like I, I wouldn't think, you said 2012? 2012, yeah. So that's nine years ago. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, think, was, I think one other thing before we move on that I sure. think is very valuable for a lot of people maybe listening, um, you know, get creative. Yeah. Don't, you know, if you feel yourself, you know, yeah. you know, what, what, one thing that I, I really like is to make sure you know yourself. Right. If you feel like you're getting stale and you're not getting creative, because I feel like chefs have that artistic creative part right. where you've got to change it a little bit or else it's going to get very mundane fast. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, don't be afraid. I mean, if you, if, I mean, no matter what business you have, you're in landscape, you're in, you know, Try something else, right? right? Like get, right. you know, don't don't get pigeonholed in something. I mean, I mean, it sounds like you just added two, three different things, you know, website, pop, 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 and yeah. then things changed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I, I think that's a, a very valuable lesson for the viewers to like think about at least. Yeah. You know? No, it is. I mean, it was um you know, I, I always think of, of chefs, you know, we do have an artistic side to us for sure. I mean, we're, yeah. we're creating new things and stuff, but I think of us more as craftsmen than artists, you know, mm -hmm. like carpenters. Almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because if you, you can build, you know, a plate one time and send it out and then you're done, you never do that again, then you're yeah. a true artist. But that doesn't happen in restaurants. You have to create that same plate a hundred times every single night, Consistent. right? Yep. Um, and so like a carpenter has to build the same table it's a good times, point. Right? It's a, that's a good but analogy. But yep. think about if that carpenter was building that same table and that's all they built 
for five years. They would probably start to go crazy, right? 100%. So then you start to look at like, oh, well, I can build the chairs or I can build whatever, you know? So yeah, so I agree completely, and then, 100%. And then, and then what happens is even the quality will go down yeah. because they, they don't care anymore. They don't care anymore, right. So you have to always be looking at what's going on. I love that. Um, in the world around you and then and be open to change. Flavors, yeah. do different things, what's popular, what's right. trending. Um, I like that. Okay, so yeah. you transitioned into pop-ups. Yeah, so I was, you know, how, how did that go? It was a lot of fun. McMinch House was completely old school, like very classical European yep. um, cooking and technique and everything. And I wanted to do, this was also, 2012 was kind of right when Alinea in Chicago um, was starting to pop off with like a lot of their molecular gastronomy, modernist cuisine using okay. chemicals and spherification and foams and all that, and, you know, gels and that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, we weren't doing any of that at McMinch because it was so like classical. Sure. Um, so I was interested in, in experimenting a little bit. Okay. So I was like, well, I'm going to create um, kind of a, a movable restaurant um, that doesn't have walls where we're sourcing everything locally and we're utilizing a lot of molecular stuff with some of the classical stuff okay. that I learned yeah, at McMinch yeah, yeah. House. Um, so we did a couple of pop-ups in 2012. We did one at the Dunhill Hotel, um, which will We'll come back around in the story. Okay. Um, we did one uh, at a, on a farm um, in Concord. That's the same year that my mom passed away. So okay. I did a pop-up for that. her um, the next month in her honor where we did a, um, a pig picking and we took a whole pig and we broke it down and cooked the pig different ways. So wow. each, each cut was cooked a different way and then had a lot of really cool vegetables. Um, and we raised $2,000 to give to the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Um, That's awesome. In her memory that for that pop-up. And then um, did a pop-up at the um, the Beckler Modern Art Museum uptown where we took over the lobby and did 120 people a four-course dinner inspired by the art on the walls that they were, you know, they, 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 they That's surrounding That's pretty cool, them. actually. It was really cool. And I partnered up with Josh Villapondo from the Sorted Table Wine Shop in 7th Street uptown, and he did my wines for that night. Um, I met a lot of really cool people that yeah. night. Um, so, but it was right then where the, the owner of McNinch said, okay, you gotta, you gotta choose one thing. You gotta either do McNinch or you gotta was do it, this. Was, was this starting to grow yeah, and starting to you grow know. at Charlotte magazine featured me in an article about it and stuff. So I was starting, my name was starting to get out there a little bit and, and, and Ellen was like, it's either us or you gotta go off <clears> and do this and you can't do both. Um, cause it's distracting. Right. Yeah. And which, which, uh, which is a good point. It's very fair. I mean, listen, it's, it's very, fair. you know, we only have so much mental energy. Right. Like that's the reality. Right. I mean, yeah, you know, you, you try to have seven yeah. businesses that you run a hundred percent. You no just way. can't, you just can't. Right. <laughs> There's no way. And yeah. so, you know, obviously you wanted to do your own thing. I right. love that. I respect that. Right. She understood yep. it from Completely a business understood. owner and a practicality. And so, yeah. um, and I'm she a, encouraged me. She didn't say like, you That's know, awesome. Good for like, her. Like, what are you doing? This Good is for dumb. Her. She was just like, if this is what you're passionate about, you need to do explore. It. You need to go do something. Um, so I got a call from the Dunhill Hotel okay. that I had done the pop-up in. Uh, they were looking to make a change with their chef. Um, and they asked if I would come on as a culinary director for the hotel. And then they, um, they met you through the pop-up? They met me through the pop-up. Okay, cool. Um, so um, in a roundabout way, doing that pop-up, is what landed me that job. Okay. Um, you know, the uh, someone from Charlotte Magazine was at that first pop-up, wrote about it, 
I had met the GM of the Dunhill very briefly, and then he read the article, you know, months later. That's awesome. I was like, oh, maybe we should talk to Chris. So yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. they brought me in, um, and I became culinary director uh, for that hotel in 2013. We opened up the Asbury in 2014. Um, got a lot of accolades and was it the first there. Was it the first thing you had opened? That was the first thing I'd opened. What was that like? Like, what was it like? You know, going from your your own thing to yeah. you know, it was in, it was it was interesting um, because I was so new to it. I really had no idea what I was doing. To be honest, yeah. I'm like I'm faking it until I make yeah, it. Yeah, sure, of course. Um, and <laughs> which is how a lot of us do it. A lot of us do it. That way. <laughs> a lot of us still do it. You that way. Yeah. Of course, you know what we're doing. Course, don't don't yeah, worry. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm 29 years old and, and this hotel says, okay, we're going to open up the restaurant that you want to open, yeah. but under these conditions, you sure, know, because sure. we have ownership and management that is like okay. really Makes sense. Yeah. protective. So, you know, I, I got to open a bit of the restaurant that I wanted to open at the Asbury, nice. um, you know, while still keeping in the vein that the, that the hotel wanted. So what are, what are a couple um, of things that you learned from that? Like just opening a restaurant. I mean, say, say we're talking to somebody that wants to open a restaurant. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot that goes into it that maybe they don't even understand the permits, the licenses, right. the I mean, contracting, depending on if, if it's existing or you have right. to remodel. I mean, there's there's a whole lot before you can actually open the doors. There's a lot. What, what are some things that you learned opening your, your first location? I would I would say, you know, if you've got a particular vision in mind, um, you have to um, commit and you have to be strong that's, with that's that. That's a good point. Um, because you'll work like in the position that I was in, I was working with the GM of the hotel. I was working with the owner of the hotel and that group that managed the hotel, mm. um, as well as you know some other folks within the hotel. And everyone had their own visions of what the space should be. Um, and I had been brought on to build my restaurant. So, you know. I, again, being 29 and not being my money, you know, I wasn't investing any, anything into sure. the, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, the build out except for my time and, you know, sweat and blood and tears. Sure. Um, which is something, know, <laughs> something. Yeah, yeah. but a lot of my choices were, were yeah. kind of like said, like, well, we're not going to do that. We're going to go with this instead. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, I wasn't super happy with, with all of the design choices at the Asbury when I was there. Um, it was a beautiful restaurant but it wasn't really the restaurant that I was it yours, you know? So a year later after opening it, we went through and we redesigned the restaurant with a lighter paint scheme and some, you know, some touches that I wanted. Okay. And, and so I ended up becoming a little more of your flavor, more of my flavor and ended up, you know, I think we ended up getting more reservations and it was just like, it, awesome. it popped. Um, so I would just say, be confident in what your vision is and, that. and commit to that vision. Uh, and make sure that you have a team that's working with you that's bought into the vision, right? That's great. Because um, we've taken that everywhere Great else. advice. Yeah, taken that everywhere else that I've ever done. So, um, you know, while I was at the Asbury, I got to cook at the James Beard house. Um, I got to um, be the featured chef at the um, Second Harvest Food Bank, big gala thing they do uptown every year. You know, I had a lot of opportunities that, that came while I was at Asbury, when yeah. I was, you know, 29 to 31, 32. Um, but that's, I, th I think people see the publications yeah. and the, 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 the gala and all, all these, dang, look at yeah. Chris and yeah. all these things. Yeah, we, you know, I've just been putting, I put nine years into a restaurant. Right. I went to school. Mm -hmm. I've got a, you know, my own pop-up. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, you know, I think that's something that 
we have to point out. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into getting to that point. 100%. I, I didn't get out of school and then just become, you know. Some world renowned. Yeah. Um, like, no, there was a lot of, you know, reinventing, reinvention at McNinchow House. Learning. And inventing Market Kitchen and learning all along the way, all this stuff. Um, I love that. You know, grinding, learning, like, when I was, I go back all the time, 14, 15 years old when I was a busboy, and I had to take the mats out at the end of the night, the kitchen mats, they're so gross and yep. grimy, you know, and yep. um, and spray those off every night. And that was one of my first jobs, and I was like, this is disgusting. Like, I don't know why anyone would ever do this, but now it's one thing that I do, it's one of the first things I do with my dishwasher, just as I take them out and show them how to properly clean the mats, because... Everything matters. Hundred like percent. Everything that we do in the, in restaurants matter. Um, yeah, not not every part gets. Uh, it's not all glamorized. It's not all glamour. But you know, every part plays its role. Right. If you don't have dishes, if you don't have silverware, if you don't have because they're in the back. Right. Yeah. What's happening? How, your, how can your, we? Your floors are grimy because they're not being taken care of. Then that's a safety hazard, and it's just gross. You know. So yep. it's everything matters um and not everything is glamorous you know a lot of it's not yep so, <laughs> you're right um, you're right yeah um so you're at the so i'm at asbury, asbury? Open asbury okay. was digging it but also kind of not digging it at the same time uh -huh. um i think that myself and the gm of the hotel honestly we were really close friends yep we're starting to get a little like overwhelmed with what was happening with management management and stuff yeah um I had two mutual friends reach out and say you should look at what Charlotte Marriott City Center is doing okay. because they're they were rebranding themselves as the um, Marriott had bought that hotel and was making it their Red Domino project. So they were going to try out something close to 400 new um, project initiatives at this hotel and make this hotel the beta for what they want their Marriott of the future to look like. Wow. Food played a big part of that. Okay. Um, Marriott started as a food company and then they got into hotels. I didn't know that. Like they started their first um, venture. They opened up a root beer stand in Washington, D.C. that sold root beer and tamales. Wow. Um, and and then they opened up um, like the A&W um, root beer yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, restaurants. Like they opened up a bunch of those and stuff. And then they got into hotels. So they were restaurateurs before they were ever hoteliers. I mean, um, talk about reinventing yourself. Right, right. right? And because, because I mean, that, that that's the thing too. Reinventing mm -hmm. yourself and changing with times. Right. And, wow, I, but, I did not you know, know that. Come 2016, Marriott Food and Beverage was kind of stale. Like it was, no one went to a Marriott to eat um, mm -hmm. unless you were, you know, Staying, staying there, staying there and yeah. you didn't know anything about where you were at. So, That's a good point. Um, so they wanted to reinvent and make the restaurant like the soul of the hotel. Okay. So they were building Stoke with this idea of it being an immersive kitchen where the, the kitchen was inside of um, like the front and center. You walk into the hotel and the first thing you see is the kitchen of the restaurant and then all the dining is surrounding Interesting it. Interesting concept, um, yeah. So it, it, it kind of lured me in, and then they were opening up Coco and the director of the coffee shop, which was kind of partner with um, a local coffee roaster, not just bringing Starbucks or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then they were reinventing banquets and catering and in-room dining and stuff to all focus more local, seasonal, regional products. Um, you know, so that I, I signed on to be their culinary director. Nice. Um, what was that like? It was interesting because I had never done anything that big, right? I went from McNinch House, 25 seats, Asbury, um, 40 seats plus 60 rooms in the hotel, 
to now 160 seats at Stoke and then a coffee shop and then banquets and catering that could do 850, you know, seated. And there was um, 200 and some odd rooms in the hotel. So wow. it was just, it was big, big, big. So you know? it was 5X um, what, what right. you had done. Yeah, and I had had, you know, at, at Asbury, I'd had a staff of maybe 12 to 15 in the kitchen and, and dish and management. Um, and there we had a staff of 36, 37 just in kitchen with, you know, uh, an executive sous and three other sous chefs. So, yeah. um, but you know, again, fake it till you make it right. And, um, and fueled by a lot of coffee, we made it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was one thing about having uh, Coco and the director there. There we go. Our coffee shop, like I was getting coffee, like, keep you know, coming. Keep coming. <laughs> um, but, uh, I love you that. know, we, it, it stoked got a lot of critical acclaim when we opened okay. you know, the food was, well, was open? great we opened in 2017 okay 16 I, my years are completely gone 16 16, 16 2016 five years, five years ago yeah. um and you know we were kind of like the it restaurant for for a minute there and that's awesome um, you know it was a lot of fun any 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 big takeaways from that like that maybe you can pass some knowledge on anything that you I would learn say, about managing people or yeah. personalities or like people with egos or I don't know. I mean, cause I, I know right. sometimes when right. you've succeeded at certain levels that that yeah. happens sometimes. It was really more about being open to, to new ideas and being open to things that you might would be resistant to at first. Right. So working with Marriott, I mean, it's a, it's a giant corporation, right? It's the largest hotel company in the world. Um, and, and I was lucky enough to, work out of their corporate headquarters in DC for a little bit and, and work directly with the executive chef for all of Marriott wow. International and, uh, and kind of pick his brain and what, was that like? what he'd done. Brad was a really cool guy. Sharp guy? I mean, very sharp guy. I'd been in the industry for a long time. He had surrounded himself there with other kind of R&D chefs that were also like at the top of their game. Top notch. You know, um, so learning. I love that. Learning a lot. Uh, but then also it was interesting to see him learning from what we were doing. Like we came in, me and my two sous chefs for Stoke came in with all this like local produce and we're like, we're gonna make this dish. And he was like, I've never seen that done before. And it's like, you got a guy who's directing food and beverage for the largest hotel company in the world. And he's like, oh man, this is interesting. Like, he's learning from us. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that was an awesome relationship to have. But I will say that like, I was kind of resistant to the whole corporate mindset mentality at, at the beginning. I was like, this is not, you know, Me. I was I was told I was going to come in and be able to reinvent food and beverage, et cetera, et cetera. And now yeah. I have to like, you know, do all of this corporate part of okay. it too. Um, and I really kind of hesitated and pushed it off for a few months. Um, and that's when I was like probably the most frustrated is we had opened and we were very successful. But now I was expected to also run a hotel's food and beverage program, you know, um, which was my job. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So. It was, it was my, our AGM of the hotel to Lee McDowell, who like brought me in one day and was like, listen, like you've been button heads against doing it this way now for like a few months and it's not doing anything like, except for making you stressed and making us stressed and like making us wonder if we got the right guy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so why don't you just, you know, try. And I tried and, and everything got a lot easier and got a lot better. And, um, so I'm not 
saying that like go corporate because it's amazing. I'm just saying that be, be open. Oh, I love that to try something. It's a good lesson, you know, <laughs> because a lot of times we we feel like we've had some success, and so we know we obviously know what we're doing. Yeah. Um, but you know. There's other people around you and you got to like surround yourself with smart people and be okay, like handing over the reins from time to time and trying something different. And generally it's going to work out. I mean, and, and, and it's all, I think, you know, from what, you know, running a business now for 12 years, it's all about perspective, right? It's like, this is the perspective that I have. Well, well, I, I may not have everybody's perspective. Right. Maybe like somebody else can shine a light. I'm like, you know what? So I think being uh, being open at least to listening or trying. Right. I mean, right. um, good lesson, great yeah. lesson. Yeah. Okay, so you were you were at Marriott for how long? So you were Marriott at, for at Stoke for how long? Three years. Okay. Uh, and then you know my partner Sean Potter, uh, who was the front of house director at Stoke, um, he had come to me. You know, a year and a half, two years in, it was like. You know, we're having fun now, but I think we both know we're not going to be hotel guys forever. Um, oh, so you met him there? Be, yeah, he was he was my partner there. Um, and he said, you know, would you be interested in doing something together, yeah. like independent? And so we started to kind of look, like on the back burner. Sure. Not seriously look, but look at different restaurants. Scope out the, the, the scene, what's happening. Scope out scene, see what's happening. We looked at a few locations that, that were you know, promising. Uh, and then, um, a mutual friend, um, introduced us to AJ Klink who owns Goodyear house. Okay. Um, and at the time it was just a house and he had poured a concrete, um, slab where the handyman shed is now the, okay. the bar. Um, and, and not much else, but he showed us around the property and kind of it, told it, us. It, what, it was a restaurant or was it? Was it? nothing. It was a house. It literally was a house. It literally was the house, the mill house. And then he had, he had poured that concrete slab to do something to get his SBA loan. Um, because he had to show that he was actively investing his own money into the property. Okay. Um, but he walked us through the vision and stuff. And we were introduced to him probably in January, maybe December of 2000. Um, 18, 2019, somewhere around there. Okay. And then, um, he had asked us to come on and join him as partners. And, and I told him no for the longest time. Um, because what? I just wasn't sure, Yeah, you know, there's like a little, like things were going well for me at Marriott. Yeah. Like I was making good money. We yeah. had benefits, you know, I've, again, I've got a, a wife and two kids at home. So, yep. um, it it's not be, just you. Yep. Yeah. It would be me giving up on, you know, a great paycheck and all those benefits to, to take a gamble. Sure. Um, so I started, I, I told him no, but I, I told him that I would leave my door open and give him, um, you know, advice. And, I mean, but and you didn't know him. Didn't know, him, didn't know him at all. Okay. Didn't know him at all. So, I mean, it, um, it's, I mean, it, good piece of advice is, you know, before getting in business with somebody, maybe get to know him a little get bit. Get to know him I mean, a little bit. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. it's just. A, just a good, uh, good thought, you know. Which yeah. I mean, it's maybe it's maybe what maybe you felt a little unsure because AJ, you know. I mean, obviously, you know, we love you now, but right. uh, <laughs> you're a random guy, you yeah, know. So. Yeah. Um, and you know, he would email or text with you know, kind of just asking for advice from time to time. Um, so I got 
to know him and build a relationship through kind of giving him advice sure. and helping him through some of the processes of opening the restaurant. So um, he wanted to open a, is he a restaurateur? He's or? not. He's just he's a business a, guy. He's a real estate guy. He's a commercial real and, estate guy. And he just guy. wanted to have and a restaurant. He just wanted to, he had built this, um, or he had built this in his mind as a neighborhood restaurant kind of gathering spot. Okay. Um, you know, he, he already had the idea of it being the Goodyear house, okay. um, which we, I'm sure we'll get to in just a minute yep. of what that means. But yep. um, he had a, he had a vision in his head. He was just looking for some restaurateurs to, to help him in and, and operate it. Um, which is a good point. I mean, right. you know, yeah. uh, we're not, you know, uh, we're not all good at everything. Right. So you have to put a good team together. Yeah, and I'm sure. sure you're realizing that having a couple stores now. Right. Man, you can't do it solo. <laughs> yeah, for us, it's uh, our company. We talk a lot about having the right people in the right seat. Mm. You know, you can have the right people uh, working with you, but if they're not in the right seat, then it's not doing any any good. Yep. Um, for them or for you. For them or for you. So, and it doesn't mean that you get rid of them. It just means that you like find the right seat for them. Yep. So I love we've, that. we've had a lot of people that we kind of shuffled around from. Like, okay, maybe you're not the best at managing, you know, the bar, but you're really good with people. So now you're a service manager you or, go. you know, you're not, that. you're not great at X. this station, but yeah. we're going to move you to this station. Now yep. you flourish. Right. So, um, so, so he's emailing you, he's emailing, advice, he's texting advice. You know, and, you're getting to know finally, a little bit. I think I just said, okay, I'm, I'm in. Like if I'm going to keep giving you advice and I, I, I want it. <laughs> I need a benefit um, from this advice. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, August of 2019, I, you know, Sean and I, um, Sean had left Marriott in February or March. I left Marriott in August, uh, and came out and we both joined, um, AJ in August of 2019 okay. and, um, you know, did the, did the last bit of planning for the restaurant for six months. Yep. We opened, um, started training in January of 2020, opened uh, February of 2020, and then shut down in March of 2020. What, what, was it, <laughs> what, what was it like opening your first restaurant? Like, what was that like? Yeah, I learned a whole lot. I mean, you know, I had, I had taken, you know, some of the lessons that I learned about um, you know, making sure that people are bought into your vision and, and having people that have the same vision. Yep. Um, and, and then, um, you know, committing to what you've, you've put in your head that you want done. Yeah. Um, and then being open to learning and trying different things. You know, that all came to fruition here, right? We, we had, AJ had a serious vision for what the place would look like and what we would do. Um, I think Sean and I both had a vision of, you know, the type of food we would serve, the type of, of service that we would offer. Um, he's over all of the beverage program as well. So he knew exactly what we wanted in terms of cocktails and beers and wines and that kind of stuff. So, um, and then we just collaborated all together, the three of us to, to build, you know, the space and, um, and it's pretty cool. So it's been, it's been a good partnership. It's been a great partnership. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that can make or break a business too. Yeah. Yeah. Wrong no. partners. Right. You know, can't get along, right. you know, you know, overstepping boundaries, right. micromanaging, not showing up. I mean, wh yeah. wh whatever it is. Yeah. I think we all have realized that, you know, um, we're experts at some things, but we're complete novices at other things. And, um, and it's okay to know when to back off. Yep. Like I don't, I'm not the smartest guy when it comes to like managing numbers and stuff. Sean's great at that. You know, Sean is also great at schmoozing with tables and stuff, but he doesn't know a thing about how to run a kitchen and staff a kitchen staff. And, um, and, and AJ, 
really is is great at um, fundraising and finding us, you know, money to do things with. And, and he has a, a cool that. kind of artistic bent in some of his mind of yeah. like, well, this could look really cool in this space or whatever. So it, it, we all play well with each other. So how did, know? so tell us, you know, what is the Goodyear house? Tell us yeah, uh, so the idea behind it. The idea, because people, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of Goodyear tire jokes when we first opened. <laughs> um, and then, and then I was having to close with the pandemic. There was a lot of like, well, I guess it wasn't a good year. <laughs> Um, but you know, the idea behind a Goodyear house is, um, it's a home that, uh, is like a generational home. Um, and it passes down from generation to generation and every generation adds something to the home. I like that. Um, during the good years. So, you know, you've added on a room or you've, you've added on a new, you know, barn or whatever, patio, uh, whatever. patio, whatever. And, and you've left your mark on that house. And so the house kind of lives and breathes with the, the people inside. So, you know, each room of, of the Goodyear house is decorated differently um, to signify different eras. And, you know, the, the home itself was built in 1903 uh, as one of the first mill homes in, in Noda or what was called North Charlotte at the time. Okay. Um, so the front room is, is decorated like the 1910s, you know, like the family would have had it decorated back then. And okay. then you go into the bar and it's like indicative of the seventies. You come over here into the, um, the, the, um, the room that we're in now. I'm blanking on the name of it right now because I'm really tired. Uh, but this is uh, like the 60s with the den, with the, with the woodwork, and then, you know, beautiful these, hair, by um, the way. plants and stuff. The, um, those things in the wall are actually um, taken out of a 1960s textbook nice. on plant identifying and stuff. So it's, you know, it's kind of like this house has been here since 1903, and now it's, it, um, you know, 2000. It's like a modern so version of an old, yes. old house. Yeah, yeah. So we've added on to it, and then since we've opened, we've added on to. It. We've took, we've taken over the backyard of the house next to us. Um, we've built, which is an uh, actual house, or which is, is an actual house. I mean, it's an office space, but yeah, it's a it's a mill house that's it's now been converted to offices. But okay, um, we took over that and built an expanded patio during the pandemic shutdown. We added on that greenhouse covering out there. Um, back in December to have some place that would be warm but still be outdoors. Yeah. Um, because we knew that opening back up, people would want fresh air and stuff. So, so what was opening up during a, a pandemic year? It was interesting, right? I mean, we were open for 48 days and we had to shut the doors down and um, it's the craziest and, thing, man. You know, lay off 52 people and it was it was real sad. But uh, we knew that we were going to have them all, you know, come back. We, yeah. We are very determined that that wasn't gonna like slow us down. I mean, it wasn't really gonna slow us down or yeah. derail our plans. Yeah. Um, so we were planning, we were having meetings and stuff during the shutdown, just, yep. you know, Zoom meetings about, you know, just to stay on top of things. So we started that expansion of that patio during the shutdown. Um, we were lucky enough to get some- So you, you, you guys had a vision already, yeah. even in the shutdown, yeah. you're like, this isn't gonna we're like, derail us. Like, right. we're gonna do this. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, we were lucky enough to That's get That's like some, tenacity some, right there at yeah, its finest. Yeah. We got some PVP money that helped us to bring staff back on and stuff when we were able to open. We knew that um, we wanted to be ready when we could open. And so we were kind of like checking with, you know, the state a lot, like when do we think we're going to be able to open? And we'd gotten the word, you know, on Monday, Tuesday of the week that we, we could reopen on Friday that like May 17th-ish. Um, so we were ready to go. We already had kitchen staff lined up. We Good had, for you guys. You know, 
front house staff lined up. We had already come in here and measured out, you know, six feet apart with tables yep. and, and figured out how we were going to do sanitation and take care of people and stuff yep. and wear masks while we're working and all yep. that jazz. Yep. Um, so we were able to get in here and hit the ground. I love running. that. Yeah. So, so it's about, it, it was an interesting year. It's an interesting year. But you guys made it. Well, we made it. And I mean, when we reopened, we, we were thriving largely in part to our giant patio. But, um, you know, I think it was just about, again, not letting something derail the vision, right? You know, we've got... I love that. We've got an idea and we're not going to be stopped. So <laughs> I love that. And yeah. then you guys obviously just opened up a new spot. We just opened up a new spot. Um, same kind of mindset. It was, you know, we started looking... Uh, back in September for new spots and we were showing the space in Rock Hill in December and signed a lease and um, Anything that really you learned from opening fit? a second second location that may be the first one you didn't learn Not I mean, I think we're still learning because we only just opened you gotcha. know, we've been open for a week and a half at this point and um, You know, we I think we knew that the demographics were gonna be a little different in Charlotte compared to Rock Hill sure. um, So we're still kind of working through some of those um, but what we've done with, with Noda, what we've done with Rock Hill is, is identified the neighborhood and who's going to come to eat at the restaurant and make sure we're That's filling, filling a gap. Yeah. Filling a need. Filling a need for that particular neighborhood, you know, like Noda has a lot of kind of, you know, hipsterish, uh, eclectic you know, styles and stuff, yeah. but there's also a lot of families that live here. So we, with Goodyear, we wanted it to be a place where, you know, the, the tattooed hipsters would feel like they were good cool yeah right to and come welcomed, to it and, yeah. and families would also be welcome um rock hill you know it's a lot of people in there it's a lot of young families it's a lot of people in their 30s 40s with young kids and then yep. it's a lot of retirees so we're like we need to find something that all of those folks can really kind of rally it's a good point i mean before opening a business do your due diligence right. do some homework don't yeah. just blindly go in and you know, hey, let me open up a, a taco shop in the middle of, you know, I mean, maybe that's not going to work there. Right. Well, you know? and yeah, you've got a vision. I mean, everyone has a vision uh, for what they want to open. But again, not everything's going to open well and be received well in every neighborhood. So it's it's finding what that neighborhood or that area needs. I love that. I love that. Chris, this was awesome. Yeah. I loved it. You know, um, I, I hope I hope everybody listening um learned a lot from me because there's a lot to take in i mean you're you're <laughs> you know what now 20 20 years in the in the game yeah yeah uh 23 years you know, 23 years and i mean there's a lot of gems that you just talked about moving locations connections networking making friends grinding uh creativity i mean there's so much there um i mean congratulations to your success i mean we didn't even talk yeah. about the Bobby Flay thing, but you know, you've, you know, you've, you've won chopped, you've gone, you know, I mean, there's so many right. cool things that you've done. Um, you know, I'm just glad that I got to meet you and, 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 you know, can continue to, you know, further our, our friendship. But, um, but yeah, I love this. I love this. And so episode 10 in the books, uh, of season two of our paper trails podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, if you guys have not been to the Goodyear house in Charlotte and Noda, you guys got to stop by, or if you're in Rock Hill, yeah, you know, have it old town. new, new, new location, old town, old town, right? Yep. New location, uh, go scope it out, support these guys. Um, and so, uh, and if you have not, you know, followed our, our content or, uh, subscribe, do it. We're on all the platforms, you know, uh, Spotify, Apple podcasts, YouTube, obviously Instagram, Facebook, and support these guys. And they can find you at, at the Goodyear house. We're at Goodyear house, uh, and we're at old town Rock Hill. So, on Instagram and Facebook. So. 
follow these guys on their socials. And so without any further ado, good to see you guys. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you guys. The restaurants you love, the food you crave, and the people that make it all happen. We tell their stories on the Paper Trails podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply.